Good morning. Uh, let me welcome you again. I know we, uh, we do this quite often where we welcome you, but yet I want to make sure that this morning that you feel that you're in the right place at the right time. And I already preach this morning, but I already feel sensing God on my heart, sense God telling my heart that, you know what? Just allow me to lead this morning. I'm not sure if this message is going to be, I know it's not going to be exactly the same, but I'm not sure how the same it's going to be. I come this morning, uh, my name is Mike Doty. I am coming to you as a dad, I'm coming to you as a father. I come to you as a teacher uh, and, and a coach. Uh, I come to you as an elder of the church, and that's probably why they asked me to preach here. Last time I preached was probably three to four years ago. I said in the first service, it's been a while since I preached. Maybe they figured that uh, everyone would have forgot by then how it went the first time, and so maybe that's why I'm back. I come to you this morning uh, excited. You know, people ask me, are you nervous? I don't normally preach, but I speak for a living. Uh, I'm going to be going into my 24th year of teaching. Now, teaching is different than preaching. There's usually much more interaction. I will potentially ask you for a little bit of interaction. I'm not going to ask you any direct questions, so you you, you can be okay. But I am going to be asking questions for you to be thinking about. Um, But as I I go uh, into today's lesson, you know, I'm very excited. People ask me if I, I get nervous. I'm more anxious. It's like game day. You know, let's go. God has spoken in my preparation, and I'm very excited. I have a confidence today, not a confidence in my ability, in my ability to bring the message or speak in any way or fancy words, but I have seen God moving already this morning. You're going to hear, I don't think I've ever had this perspective before as I prepared, and I know what's on my paper here and what's going to be said. Keith is obviously very wise, but also spirit-led. The songs we sang this morning are pretty much already gave the message. And so they're going to match up well. So I hope you're reminded about the things that we shared this morning or what we sang already in worship. You'll hear it again. I think it is my job in the next 30, 35 minutes. Look and see if anybody cringes there. But yeah, about 30, 35 minutes here. It's my job to speak clearly, but to be spirit-led, to bring you truth that I believe is to guide our lives, to change our lives, to set us apart. I think it's my job to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus. And if you look here, this normally isn't right here, center stage. And I asked for that for a purpose this morning. Now, many of you are very familiar with what a target looks like. And in the center of that target is a bullseye. This is the bullseye, folks, that we want to center in this morning on the gospel of Jesus Christ and who Jesus is and why we come here this morning. There's a reason you came here. Maybe you're searching. Maybe you have been walking with Jesus for a long time. But the point is, you're here because Jesus Christ offers something different than other religions. Like all targets, there is the center of that target, the bullseye itself, and that's going to be the cross. But today I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures too because sometimes we just feel good when we hit the target. And there's a lot of different ways that you might be led by the scriptures that are read today. So I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit's going to lead you right where you're at and the words that you need to hear because he knows your heart. He knows your mind. It is my job to bring you the authoritative word of God. We call it the Bible, the scriptures. And it's also my hope that you will be set apart, set apart for God's purposes and that you will be built up and spurred on. 
Let me read to you out of John 17, 17, and these are Jesus' words as he was praying for the disciples. And this is where I think I get this purpose of why I'm here. And it says this, John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, and they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. It's you and I. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And we're here this morning so that we may believe, maybe for the first time, in greater faith, that Jesus is who Scripture says he is. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you in your presence, and we know that you are with us, but we invite you in. And we ask to come into your presence. We want to experience you through your holy scriptures, by the presence of your Holy Spirit, and we ask that you would illuminate truth for us. Because, Lord, we want to believe and have faith in the truth. We sang that this morning. We cried out in our hearts for that. As we gather here, we know that, Lord, you have brought us from different places and different experiences and events in our lives. But, Lord, you know our hearts intimately. For you created us before, before the heavens and the earth. Lord, you knew us in your mind. So, Lord, we want to come this morning. We want to follow you. We want to believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. And we want to live in faith. And we want to see that in radical obedience. So as we go forth this morning, may we glorify you in all we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you would, I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles or get your device out. Uh, I, I tend to look around who has actually a hard copy anymore and who has a device. I am going to challenge you this morning to keep up. Not because I'm talking so fast, but I'm going to challenge you to try to keep up with the scriptures. I'm going to have some up here, okay? I don't want to be ridiculous about it. I want to make it easy. But if you have a device, we're going to get your fingers ready. If you have a hard copy, we're going to get your thumbs ready because we want to look in towards God, which brings up also why I feel a confidence this morning. So I'm going to just hopefully let God's word speak, not me. So we're going to start uh, with chapter 9, and we're going to be reading through verse 2 all the way through 29. That's quite a bit of scripture. I'm going to be pulling out themes here this morning for us. And if you take a look at the screen, you'll see I'm going to look at part one, which is verses two through 10. And I'm going to look at 14 through 29. Now there is a bunch of different ways to go about this, but I want to pull out these themes. In the first part, we're going to focus in on Jesus' identity and purpose. It was my understanding last week, as you looked at chapter 8 in Mark, you would have done the same thing. It is essential for us, if we're going to honor and worship and follow Jesus Christ, that we know who he is. So we're going to look at scriptures to see what it's saying. And then also out of that first part, why can we believe God's word? And why can we trust in Jesus? I want that to be obvious. In part two, we're going to look at the issue of belief in unbelief. I'd love for me to confess that I've always believed. Well, that's not true. No, I was born a sinner. I needed to come to the same faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ as everyone else. But we're going to focus on belief and unbelief, and then we're also going to look at to see the power of Jesus for those that believe, that we put our faith in him. Now, I said target, bullseye. The bullseye I put up here and try to simplify is our aim this morning. We like to aim for the bullseye. Now, 
Sometimes we just aim for the target. I want to aim for the bullseye. And if you look at this, we want to grow in our ability to follow Jesus in radical obedience through gospel-empowered faith. Gospel-empowered faith. Now, remember I said I'm a teacher for career-wise, and I asked for a little participation. You can just nod your head. Have you ever heard from the pulpit or anyone in this church ever say gospel-empowered faith before? Shake your head yes. Because I, I need to see some yeses. If not, we need to do better at this. Keith definitely has. He's on the leadership team. He has. That's one of our core values. And I'm not going to unpack it completely, but notice gospel-empowered faith. And faith is going to be one of our themes for this morning. So let's get into the scripture. I am going to read through. I ask that you follow along. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. It is quite lengthy here. I do have my water. If you take a quick pause, I get a little thirsty here, please forgive me that. Let's go ahead and let's read starting verse 2. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant and intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them, Jesus that is, to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased as it was written of him. Verse 14. And when they came down, excuse me, and when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he, and he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and he grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them, oh, faithless generation, How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father, the child, cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. 
And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind can only be driven out or this, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now, as I said, quite a, quite a bit of scripture here. Let me give you a big picture. The reason I chose to read all of this today, because it would have been much easier just to choose a small passage out of nine. I had the freedom to do that. But I want you to see something here because there's something that's very, I think, helps connect with me. It's a contrasting picture here. You have Jesus in the first part of this, high on the mountain, being transfigured into his glory as the beloved son of God. And then you have the second part as they come down into the valley, into the midst of this faithless generation, into the midst of demon-possessed boy, of hurt and disease, really of a hurting world. And so you have this contrasting view of Jesus on high in his glory and then coming back to the reality. And I connected with that. I related with that. There are times when I feel so close to God, and there's other times I don't. Can you relate with that? And that's why it really spoke, and there's something that I want you to get out of this, and I want to be very clear, that can connect with all of us. Because I think we all go through the highs and the the lows. In this, I also want you to see that, notice the cross behind me. This is just months before Jesus is going to die on the cross, to be risen three days later, to preach and be with his disciples four days and ascend to heaven. We are very close to the very end of his ministry. And Jesus steps it up here. Last week in Romans 8, there is a familiar scripture in that where it talks about denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. There's the part in there about losing ourselves. I know Dwayne would have talked last week about identity. He's stepping it up in, verse, in chapter 8 and 9 and even into 10, and he's making sure that the disciples are hearing these final messages. So I want us to hear that as well. So let's be obvious. Let me be obvious what I want you to get out of these. Crucial truths of belief, or we must believe, and we must put our trust. Give me a thumbs up if you can recall in the songs this morning, if you heard believe. Thumbs up? How many of you heard trust? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Keith and I didn't talk about what songs to pick, all right? But I'm sure he read through the scripture and he's very familiar with it. I'm going to trust too they spirit-led because it was perfect. Two truths that I want to pull out of Mark 9, and they're up here on the screen. If you want to write these down, or if you want to write the scriptures, that's fine. Two truths that I want to pull out of Mark, again, being very clear. Number one, out of Mark 9, 7, Jesus is the beloved Son of God, and there is powerful, let me stress, powerful evidence why you should believe it. Now you think, well, wait a minute. I've been a believer for all my life. No, understand believe is a daily decision. The second thing that I want to make sure we pull out of this longer passage is that all things are possible for one who believes. Believes in what? Believes in Jesus. And there are powerful consequences for those who don't. There are consequences for the good and consequences for those who don't. 
Again, remember the song? We sang that this morning as well. So let's take a look, 9-7. The scriptures will be up on uh, the, the projection here for you, but also I challenge you to look in. 9-7 says this. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Now, I want to be, I want you to hear me carefully. I am not this biblical scholar that is going to bring some great new insight. I, I don't even feel led to do that. All I want to make sure is that you hear scripture, and I'm just going to point out the obvious. It's kind of like a sports analysis. They always just put out and point out the obvious things. So what's obvious here? Who's speaking? Who's this voice? Who is speaking in this? It's God, the Father. What is he saying about Jesus? Very clearly, this is my beloved son. My beloved son. Now, if I was to walk up and to say to you, you are my beloved, you'd look at me like I'm crazy and weird. But if I was to walk up and to just say, I love you, yeah, that, that might be a little weird too, but yet we don't use that language. But I want you to get beloved. Really important here. If you call back in chapter one of Mark, now I'm asking a lot, it's been a while ago, but let me point this out. There was a similar event that occurred in 111. When Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist, listen to what happened. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Two times in the book of Mark, we have God the Father, God himself, giving us evidence that Jesus is his son. Now, we probably could close our Bibles or turn off our phones and walk out and just say, that's it, that's all we need. But I want to be, I want to overdo it this morning. Because I want you to see the overwhelming evidence that God gives us about the identity of Jesus Christ. So we have God the Father. And then in Mark 1.1. 1, 1, Mark 1.1. 1, 1, wait a minute, that was a long time ago. Anybody recall what that says? Let me read it to you. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In the very beginning, Mark, who if you don't know or don't remember, he was a disciple of Peter. At the very beginning of this gospel made sure that we knew that he believed that Jesus Christ was the son of gospel. You might say even the book of Mark is a book of will you believe. It's a, it's, it's a question, and it's ongoing throughout it. But we see Mark confirming, again, the identity of Jesus Christ. Let me go a little bit further. I mentioned Peter was at the transfiguration. I didn't realize this. That's why I love when I get in and study scripture. Peter actually confirms the transfiguration and Jesus' baptism in 2 Peter 1, 16 through 21. So I'm going to ask you to turn to that. It's a little bit lengthier, or get your phone ready. 2 Peter chapter 1, 16 through 21. And I want you to read for the evidence and support about who Jesus is. Verse 16. For we did not, this is Peter speaking, for we did not follow, follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Eyewitnesses. They saw it themselves. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word 
more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so I'm kind of overdoing it here, but I want you to realize that the identity of Jesus Christ was confirmed by his own father. They heard it from heaven. It was confirmed by Mark, the author of the book. It was confirmed by Peter, the eyewitness. But there's something else that confirms this. Now, I draw your attention to verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. The prophetic word? He's talking about the Old Testament. Now, we're going to take time to go through and study Old Testament prophecy this morning. But some of you may be aware of that. The Old Testament had been prophesying Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, since the very beginning. And Peter confirms a stronger witness than even his is the prophetic word. He also gives us that the scriptures, the holy scriptures, who were written by man? No, no. Yeah, you could shout that out. No, they were written by God, carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, you heard me say a second ago, well, the author, Mark, it was not Mark's words. They were carried along. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 also brings that same message. So I want you to understand that it is pivotal for us to understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And we have God the Father who's given us evidence of that. We have Mark. We have Peter. We have the prophetic scripture. And we even have the inspired word, the New Testament. Wow, God kind of overdid it. Is our faith blind? Does God just say, because I said so? Kids, can you relate? Parents said, because I said so, right? Well, he could. He's the God of all creation. He could say, I said so. But no, he's loving. And that's why parents, you give explanations. Maybe not every time. But you, you explain it. You give evidence for why. I want to draw your attention back. to the scriptures we just read, and I want to go into the second part. So we have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and let's talk a little bit about belief and faith. Mark 19, or Mark 9, 19. It says, and he answered them, O faithless generation. Now you recall Jesus came down with the three disciples. There were nine remaining, and I'm sure there were others that were following him, and they were in argument. So he comes down the mountain in the valley, and he answered them. After they found out that the disciples couldn't heal the boy, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Now, I want to make sure. I don't think Jesus is being overly harsh here. But if I was to walk up, okay, so I know Joe. I walk up, Joe, you're faithless. Ooh, he's bigger than me. I might get punched. No, he wouldn't do that because he's the kind-hearted man. But yet, that would be harmful and hurtful words. But here we have Jesus speaking. Why would Jesus call, because he's referring here to his own disciples. Yes, he's talking to the Pharisees. Yes, he's talking to Israel as a whole. But I want to focus in on the Pharisees, or excuse me, I want to focus in on his own disciples. Why would he call them faithless? Why were they faithless? In Mark 3, take you back, 
in Mark 6, the disciples would have been sent out with the ability to heal and to cast out demons. They were faithless because they were trying in this situation to cast out this demon by past experience because they did it before. Well, in the past I did it. In the past Jesus gave me the authority so I can do it again. And I want you to pick up something very, very important here. Faith is not a one-time decision. It is a daily decision. Mark 9, 22 through 24. And it, and it, speaking to about the demon, the demon-possessed boy, and it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father, excuse me, immediately the father child cried out and said, I believe. Now, I want to take a moment here to break this one apart so that we see this. This was very, very enlightening for me, one that also, I think, challenged me. I really felt that God convicted me when I read this scripture. When it says, and he has often cast him into the fire, into the water, destroy him. First, I want you to realize that we have a hurting father here. What he loved most was his son, and his son was being destroyed by this demon. His son was ill and sick. People had given up. I'm sure he was very well embarrassed. Today, we live in a world that we hear the words mental health quite a bit and mental illness. Now, I'm not saying that people with mental illness are demon-possessed. It's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we know that we live in a broken world. We know that we live in a world with a lot of hurting. Can you connect with that? If it's not you, it's somebody in your family, one of your friends. Because I think for us to really get this, we need to connect with this father. He come and came to Jesus with his most prized possession, his son. He comes and he asks Jesus, if you can do anything. Now, is that a statement of faith or is that a statement of doubt? Why would he doubt? Had he not seen? Had he not heard? And this is where I connected. I connect because sometimes the weight of the world and my own hurt and disappointment sometimes causes me to unbelief and a lack of faith. Can you relate to that? Because I don't see it around me. The father wasn't seeing healing. He was only seeing hurting. But listen to what happens here. Watch this. If you can do anything, have compassion on us. Help us. He's crying out. And Jesus said, if you can. He questions his doubt, but brings him back to the answer. All things are possible for one who believes. Now, it doesn't say in Jesus, but the implication is here. All things are possible for the one who believes in me. We sang that this morning, didn't we? Yeah. Now, i got to ask you something. Do you believe that? And that's where the conviction came for me. Some days that's very, yeah, I do. Here's something I've been praying for recently. I've been praying for the supernatural. That might sound kind of weird. But what I'm saying is, I've been praying, as it says here, all things are possible, one believes. I've been praying for things that aren't normally seen. I'm praying for salvation to come to family members who don't know them, who don't know Jesus. I'm praying for healing where there seems to be no opportunity or no chance for healing. I'm praying for the supernatural. I'm praying for God to show up because I think that's what it's saying here. I'm praying for more belief. 
Notice it says immediately the father of the child cried out, and he said, I believe, help my unbelief. Now, I didn't read this in a commentary. I could be way off, but when I read that statement, you know what that is? That's repentance. I believe that is heartfelt turning away, recognizing his own sin and turning from it. He recognizes that I want to believe, but I know that I haven't. Now, we don't see the word forgiveness here, but we hear a heartfelt cry, Jesus, help me. Now, if, I don't, if you don't hear anything else I say, if God is speaking to your heart right now, I need you to go there. If he is bringing something to mind about unbelief, about something in your life that has been hurting and causing you not to run to Jesus, but to run to self-medication, to run to the things of the world, I need you to go there. I need you to ask for healing. Because doesn't it not say all things are possible for the one who believes? Do you believe that? And it's okay to say that out loud. Do you believe that? It's so powerful. I challenge us to do that. Something that I'm trying to do more and more is just to say some things out loud. Because sometimes I need to startle myself when I hear it. And it does. Mark 9, 29, it says this. And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And he's referring to the demon. And he's referring to the disciples because the disciples asked, well, why couldn't we? Because remember, they had done it in the past. They're trying to ride on past experiences. Faith is not something that happened in the past. It's something that happens every day. And I love this connection. Do you see the connection, faith and prayer? Faith and prayer. I know this, a faithless man will never pray. Why would he go to God? Why would I need to take worship or concerns to God? But a faithful person will be in prayer. Do we see God when we pray? Now, I'm talking just as you see me. Do we see him? No. Do we know what God is doing as we pray? Uh, we do know from Scripture he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But we don't see it, do we? No. Do you understand that prayer requires faith? Do we know exactly how God's going to act? No, it requires faith. We believe here at Fairlawn that when we pray, things change. When we pray, things change. And when it comes back to the disciples here, not being able to cast out, I think it's a very clear statement that they weren't remaining in faith in Jesus. Very soon, Jesus is going to die on the cross. He's going to take our place. He's going to take the place for our sin. To die a crucifixion, uh, painful, more painful than anything we've ever imagined, and to die for our sins. He's going to do that. And he knows that faith is going to be necessary for his disciples. He wants to make sure they get this. Belief, faith. Do you hear those words over and over again? That all things are possible for those that believe. Believing makes me see everything different. Think about that. Believing makes me see everything different. Let me build on that for a second. If I believe that my wife loves me, I will see her actions 
in love. If I believe that my wife is mad at me and upset at me, I will probably see her actions and words in that way. Let me go another step, okay? Because this is true. Kids, if I think someone at school doesn't like me, if I believe that, do you know what you're going to see? You're going to see their actions communicating that. Because I believe this to be true. Hear that? I believe we see what we believe. And that's why the message is entitled today, Believing is Seeing. When you look at the cross, what do you see? Because if you don't believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins, that you, as a sinner, condemned to death, and that Jesus is the only way by believing and following him, you're not going to see it the same way. Does all the world see the cross the same way? Absolutely not. Until we believe, we do not see the truth of the cross of Jesus Christ. In the same way, it goes back to Scripture. It goes back to the Word of God. Now, let me make sure that we're on the same page. And I want to go into the word belief a little bit because it's so important for us. So what I have here, if you take a look up at the screen, you'll see the word belief. What is belief? Belief is what I think, what I say, and do according to truth. Stop for a second. What's true? To believe is the action, the verb, is to think, speak, and act as if something is true. Believing is the ongoing thinking, speaking, acting, if something is true. And then the degree to which how strongly I believe something to be true, that's called conviction. Now here's what I'm getting at. Where do we find truth? Or better yet, let me go back to the question, what is true? Do you decide? Do you get to decide? The world's telling us that, isn't it? It's called postmodernism. Truth is what you want to be true. I teach in a public school, and I experience this on a daily basis. I experience that people think that they get to decide what's true and what's not. I was extremely convicted by this thought. Sometimes we decide what's true because we've been taught by the world. We've been taught by the world what it is that is true. Sometimes I believe certain things are true because I simply want it. It makes me feel good. My desires, my passions. I think it's okay to once in a while tell a little lie. Get away with it. I protect myself. I think it's okay once in a while that if I watch a movie or things that really you know I shouldn't be watching. It's all right once in a while to tell a crude joke. I believe that, right? When we start looking at the issue of belief, we see a world that is lost in unbelief. What can we believe? I want you to turn with me, and if you would, please, I'd like you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. All of this that I'm talking about belief, I get from these scriptures here. And I'm going to read through verse 1 through 3, skip a couple, and I want to go to verse 6. 
In verse 1 it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those that seek him. Do you hear that in there? The faith, the belief. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction, there's belief. Things we haven't seen. Have we seen the world created? No. But do I believe scripture and what it says about it? Did I see Jesus down on the cross? But do I believe that happened? Am I acting in faith on that? The importance of belief and faith are extremely paramount. That we cannot please God or follow God without it. Let me read a few more scriptures here quickly. And then I have the list. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Galatians 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself over to me. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Ephesians 1.13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1.6-9, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that it is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So many scriptures that talk about faith and belief. I'm not gonna read through Colossians, but one powerful, it lays out the gospel. It's amazing how quickly uh, uh, or just how often that occurs throughout the Bible. In closing, I want us to make sure that we see that believing and trust is necessary and that what we believe about the cross, about the gospel of Jesus Christ should influence how you see yourself. Do you see yourself in the light of Jesus Christ? I said a little bit ago, mental illness, suicide. I would imagine almost every one of you in this room knows somebody or has encountered uh, somebody that has lost someone to suicide. It's rampant. And I know this. People are not seeing themselves in the light of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gave his life so that we may live. Not so that we can take it. When seeing by believing and trusting in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we'll see our families different. I know some of us buy us in broken homes. We have family members that have hurt us. But we need the gospel to see them in the proper light. To see each other, the church, the body of Christ. The word gives that to us. And to see the world. The world is hurting. The world is lost. The world is faithless. But there is hope. That hope is Jesus Christ. I had a bulletin, which I should have mentioned a long time ago, an insert. And on the back of that, there's three things I wrote down. And I challenge you here. It says belief, faith, and obedience. To understand that what we believe will influence what we trust in, and that for sure will lead to how I act. So this week, I know you're going to be in the Word. You're going to be studying. You're going to come across Scripture. 
If it's something that jumps your heart and you need to say, I believe that, I want you to say it out loud or write it down. So if it's, I'm a new creation, Jesus Christ, I believe that I'm a new creation, Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is returning. I trust Jesus that you are returning, that you have my best in mind always. And then a commandment, that I will obey your truth and your word, that I will love my neighbor as myself, that you would, I challenge you to write those things down and say them out loud. Close with me in prayer. I have a daily prayer there that I often, it's a little bit longer, but as I pray, I want you to be listening because I think it's very powerful to pray like this. Pray with me. I love you, Jesus. You are my life because I am born again, redeemed and saved because of your death and resurrection. I believe, trust, and will obey your commandments as my Lord and Savior. Heavenly Father, strengthen me through the power of your Holy Spirit to believe, trust, and obey your heaven, your heavenly will, given to me in the Holy Scriptures. Empower me in the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ to live a faithful and radically obedient life. Give me eyes to see Jesus, myself, the church, my family, and the world through the truth of your word, not based on my own beliefs, desires, or false teachings of the world. Bring honor to your name through me this day. Amen. I challenge you to be praying that each and every day or something like that. To hear the gospel, we have to be reminded of the gospel each and every day. That's the power. That was the power that the father saw as his son was healed because Jesus, who has been given all authority in heaven and earth, has the power to heal. I send you out. Go make a difference. Be Christ to everyone you meet. Thank you.